Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to the Mo Show podcast. Uh, new studio, new guest. Actually, this is a new mic as well that was uh, sent to me from Shure. Thanks so much, Shure. Today, we have a guest who is an employee at Saudi Aramco, uh, a company now that is known the world over. Uh, he's been in Saudi for 17 years, and he comes with quite a story. Uh, please welcome Jake Burry. Welcome, Jake. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. I'm so happy that, you know what, we, we, we met at the golf tournament two months ago or so. And, you know, we tried to squeeze you in at that point. It didn't work, but um, I'm glad that we managed to do it right now. So thanks so much for, you know, being uh, part of the new studio experience. Absolutely. Uh, Jake. It's it's odd. I mean, it's not it's not every day where you hear of uh, an American packing up the U- packing up and, and and moving to Saudi from the U.S. And not only did you do that, but you've uh, you've been here for seventeen years. How did it? How did the idea come to you to uh, to want to move to Saudi? It's quite a bold move. Good question. I moved from Long Beach, California, and from Long Beach, wow, to Dahran, Saudi Arabia. All right. It's a it's a long move in, yeah. in more ways than one. Uh, I think curiosity, mm-hmm. international scene within Aramco was a big draw for me. Uh, the job that I was coming over to do was another draw, mm-hmm. working with high school and university age students uh, in that setting. And just at that point in 2004, March of 2004, there wasn't a lot of information out there about Saudi. Yeah, very it was a different world. Social media hadn't really come onto the scene. The internet was, even the internet was quite yeah. a new resource back in those days. And I was very curious about Saudi. Wow. Uh, I actually spent three summers in Saudi working for only a few months mm-hmm. on a short-term basis and then decided to try and get a full-term job, full-time job in 2004 and, and made it here in March. And were you employed in, in, in Aramco? Which department exactly? So I work with the community services department, central community services uh, in the recreation division. Awesome. And I work, I, for a long time, had worked exclusively with the student programs. And recently, due to COVID changes, I have branched out a bit and tried to get involved in a few of the other areas. But mostly with students, I'm still in charge of that program. And then also with some different fitness applications, spinning and yoga. Yeah. And... Uh, coaching and those types of things. Did you have a Did you have an idea as to how long you'd uh, you'd want to come to Saudi for? Having left Long Beach, did you tell yourself this is going to be a year or two? I didn't, and a lot of people do, and very few of those people actually honor their mm-hmm. first uh, guess at how long they're going to stay in Saudi. Everyone says I'm going to come for two years, or I'm going to come for five years, and some people do. Some people come in and they're on a very narrow track and they think okay i'm only going to be here this long so i'm not going to do this i'm not going to invest in this i'm not going to learn this and i feel like they you 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 put yourself in a little bit of a box that way uh having an open-ended goal i think for me worked a little bit better well i'm still here so depending on how we want to evaluate it (laughs) so for me i didn't really have i thought if i don't enjoy being here and I don't feel like I'm adding value in my community and in my job, then I'll find something else. Yeah. And that time hasn't come yet. 17 years is a, is a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed only because, uh, you know, I meet a lot of Brits, a lot of Americans that come here, especially in the health and fitness uh, industry. And, um, you know, two years is about how long they stay, two mm-hmm. or three years. Mm-hmm. 17 years is a lifetime. Like, you know, you know the culture now as good as any Saudi guy. Uh, you know, you can get by, I'm sure. Uh, your Arabic is, is, is acceptable. 
It's uh, not. You don't need to prove it. I bet it is. <laughs> I wish um, it was. But Jake, two, I mean, two thousand and four. You said was when you came. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, you know, that's that's some time. It it takes someone adventurous um, and and courageous, and um, someone being okay being uncomfortable. You know, uh, because it's a lot different to the states. Uh, yeah. al- although it, uh, it it has changed a lot, I think in the last couple of years. You noticed any any, any changes that uh, you know? Nah, socioeconomically, haven't noticed any changes. It's nothing, huh? It's just how it was in '04. Uh, tremendous amount of change. <clears throat> the way that I like to describe it to those who haven't been here, friends and family back home, and even even people that are arriving that have arrived here recently, yeah. I think that Saudi has changed more in the last two to three years. I don't think I know that it has changed more in the last two to three years than it had in the previous fourteen years that I was here. Yeah. It was, I felt like we were running status quo for we over were. a decade. We were. And all of a sudden, things just completely, completely took a turn. Yeah. And in the last few years, it's been such an adventure being here, uh, seeing new opportunities, seeing not just new ideas and opportunities, but also the resources and the methods to actually put some of those things into action. Mm-hmm to allow people who have ideas a platform to express the ideas yeah it's amazing how people adapted to it as well You're talking about 22 million saudis uh eastern province when you where you live is is three three million people that live there you know seven million people in riyadh five million people in the Jeddah area and the cohesion and adaptability in uh in 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 the transition and how seamless that all was be it women driving uh women in the workforce you know, on a on a socioeconomic level, like like cinemas and events. I mean, WWE was here. The golf tournament's on right now. You have Formula One in October. You know, what event is too big to host in Saudi? Probably none. You know, yeah. um, and that's pretty cool because five years ago we weren't there infrastructurally. We weren't there, uh, but now, like, you, we're 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 seeing uh, the you know the dreams really being executed, and it's a nice thing to see. Honestly, like, I agree. Actually, you know, yeah, I agree. As we live and breathe. One of the one of the if I can follow on that, one of the things that I always look for when I'm out and about and I'm and I'm in a place where some of these progressive ideas are are taking root, I look for some of the older folks. Yeah. And I want to watch how they perceive the situation. Yeah. I want to see if they look uh, approvingly or disapprovingly. I want to see if they kind of scoff or if they smile. Because it is a, it's a major change. It's a major shift, and you can shift without without letting go of your core values. And I think that's the the difficult task right now, especially for young Saudis. Yeah. Uh, they've been taught a certain thing. They've been taught to live a certain way. They've been taught to do certain things, and then they're getting this pressure from another side that could counteract it, but it doesn't necessarily have to. Yeah. I love culture. I love sociology. I love watching human interaction and human behavior, especially working with high school and university students. You get a lot of that. Yeah, I'm sure. So it's fascinating for me to see, not just in Aramco, but especially all over the country. Yeah. You, uh, you, you've been quite adventurous in Saudi. Um, you told me about a road trip that you went recently from Abha to, uh, was it Wadi Dawasir or, or close to the empty quarter? You've been doing a, a bit of traveling in Saudi. I think you mixed three trips together all in okay. one there. <laughs> but there's been so many trips. Since the shutdown in uh, March of 2020, mm-hmm. for the first few months, I, I was more or less stuck at home, which was fine. But as soon as the domestic travel began to open up again, and you were allowed to travel between provinces, yeah. 
it just dawned on me there's a lot of country to explore yeah. and i had this need to get out and, and move and travel and drive and uh, i took a trip in august end of july beginning of august drove across the country to Jeddah, uh, where we are now which has become one of my favorite places in saudi if not my favorite thank you and long drive 12 hours 10, 12? uh yeah 12 to 14. okay 12 to 14. and then we went up to taif mm -hmm. and then we drove down the the ridge line of the mountains there oh, yeah. through um, Tanuma and down to Abha. Abha. Yeah. yeah. And really loved it. Just incredible things to see down there. The culture is, yeah. is so unique. The, the landscape is beautiful. It is. And then drove back to Riyadh and then back to uh, Eastern Province wow. to Dahran. That's, that's a lot of driving, quite, quite a commitment. It was. Yeah. Uh, but I enjoy the driving. I'm sure. I, well, some of it. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a challenge at times as well. <laughs> yeah. But that was the first trip, and I've taken six or seven trips since then, uh, all to different areas. And mm -hmm. uh, Al which mm -hmm. I still can't figure out how to say the Ula, you said it perfect. But I'm working on it. Al Ula is a is a favorite. Okay, I've really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. uh, anything in the Red Sea, if I can jump into the Red Sea yeah. uh, with a with a mask and snorkel and some scuba gear on, I'm I'm happy as yeah. can be. Yeah. Spend a little bit more time in Riyadh lately, mm -hmm. and I'm just interested in exploring every part of the country. Yeah. Uh, even around us in Eastern Province, Hassa, and up to Jebel mm -hmm. and Skatif, and there's all these different. Each place has its own yeah, it unique uh, it does, characteristics. It, it does, absolutely. I think that's one of the the, the pros of uh, of COVID and lockdown. It gave us an opportunity to to you know to search and explore our country, something that none of us ever did before. Yeah, and you meet you meet. Saudis you in do. all these locations yeah. from other places, mm -hmm. you know, for the first time in Wadi Lejib, you know, you meet someone who is coming from Riyadh and has never been there before, just like I've never been there before. Yeah. But they do hospitality on another level. Oh. You know, they will make sure they give you, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. It'll probably all be meat, but they'll make sure they feed you three times a day before they send you on your way. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, which is nice. It's, yeah. So back in the States, what's the most thing you, you miss about Saudi? I think it is that, the hospitality. Okay. Yeah. The people here have this incredible, it's a, it's a built-in mission to be friendly to their guests. And that's true in, in a lot of cultures around the world. I've never seen it as strong as I've seen it here. Mm. And the farther you go from the city, the stronger it becomes. Absolutely. It's, all, it's watered down in the city, not the coast. Almost in a way that it becomes inconvenient for you because if you make a plan, and then you meet somebody, you have to throw your plan out the window so you can spend yeah. three hours, four hours of being their guest. They won't let you go. But the best way to handle that situation is just to embrace it. Definitely. Just to embrace it. Whatever they bring you, you're going to eat it and drink it. Yes. Wherever they want you to sit, you're yeah. going to sit. And it, use that as the you know ex experience. Yeah. I love that. I miss that. It's, uh, it's, it's in their genes almost, you know, um, young and old. Hobbies and activities, are you get a chance to go hiking? You mentioned something about Wadi Lejab in, uh, in Jizan. Are you, are you out there hiking, camping? Hiking, yes. Camping, no. No, okay. I've done a, my fair share of camping, but in that particular trip, it was, it was just hiking, exploring. Yeah. Wadi Lejab is a beautiful, beautiful place. <clears throat> and it's, uh, it's not really hiking. It's, it's, it's a bit of hiking and it's a bit of canyoneering, mm -hmm. uh, light lightweight canyoneering gotta check it out you don't need to harness up or anything but it's just fun to jump around the boulders and and walk through the the, 
the the, the spring fed uh, water. Very cool spot. Yeah, I hear good things. Probably unbeknownst to uh, to the people watching, uh, you have um, uh, picked up a, an accident, or you involved in a, in a serious accident a few years ago, uh, which uh, resulted in you losing a leg. How does one get over that, or how does one um, you know deal with life after that? Can you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. You learn to be content with the circumstances that you have. You learn to adjust to things. To, to not run everything through the same grid that you ran it through before, because it's not the same. Hiking in Wadi Lajeb three years ago would have been a totally different experience for me than hiking this year yeah. on crutches without my leg on. Mm-hmm. The perception that people have of you when they don't realize you're missing a leg is quite different than the perception when they do. Yeah. You mentioned that some of the viewers might not realize I don't have a leg because we're sitting at a table. If I'm at a restaurant, if I'm in an atmosphere where people can only see me from the waist up, of course you wouldn't assume that that person has one leg. And then when I pop up to walk away, they're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Eyeballs. So that, is, that has changed my hobbies a lot. I initially asked about hobbies. That has really changed the way that I spend my time. It's been a, a challenge physically to try and find hobbies that I can still do and enjoy. The things that I did and enjoyed before were required both legs, playing football, mm-hmm. skiing, and surfing, and hiking, and climbing, and those things. Just do all that. So uh, some of those things are still attainable to a certain degree. Other things I had to just say goodbye to yeah. and pick up some new pick up some new hobbies. That must have been hard to do that. It was hard, but I chose not to think of it as uh, a negative. I, I chose to appreciate the good years that I had in all of those pursuits. It's all about attitude. And a hundred percent, it's about attitude. If in so many circumstances, if you choose to look at it negatively, it's gonna, it's gonna be a negative situation. It's gonna be a neg- negative experience. If you have the ability to, set, to step back just a bit and try and find a positive look at it, then it can completely change the outcome. Yeah. That's, that's actually exactly what happened with me with my accident. Do you mind if I, if I briefly share that story? Uh, about? Was, that was my next question. Okay. Yeah, how it happened. Yeah, I was actually in the Red Sea, uh, south of here, off of a port city called Elith, doing a scuba diving trip. And the propeller of the boat, due to some perfect storm of some accidental uh, factors, uh, I got drawn into the propeller of the boat. And so it, Were you uh, swimming behind the boat and the propeller was turned on? Uh, I stepped off the back of the boat to begin a dive. And as I was descending into the dive, uh, the current drew me to the propeller and the propeller was accidentally switched on to stabilize the boat, which was moving a bit towards the reef. And uh, by the time I re- it all happened so fast. I was, my leg was in the propeller within 15 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds of stepping off the boat. And by the time I, I realized what was happening, I turned around and the propeller spinning right in front of me. And I had to act very quickly to get out of the situation. So as I pushed myself away from the side of the boat and looked down to assess the damage, uh, check to see how bad my ankle was wounded, which in my mind, I felt a thump. I assumed, oh, the propeller must have twisted my ankle. Perhaps it's a broken bone. I don't know how bad it is. And I looked down and what I saw, I will never forget. And uh, it was quite startling. 
my ankle was floating all the way to the left of me. My knee was attached to it. The, the skin and some muscle tissue was holding my leg onto my body, and that was it. Compound fracture of my femur. Both sides had broken through the skin. My calf had been more or less chopped off of my leg and was hanging in the water, and I could see the blood spurting out. It, was, it looked like something from a movie, okay. yet it wasn't a movie. It was my leg, and I'm, I'm floating in the Red Sea on a boat 40 kilometers from shore, looking down at this situation, and instead of freaking out, and this, I think about this all the time, People ask if I, if I have flashbacks about this accident, and I think about it all the time, but every time I think about it, it, I think about it in a positive light. It makes me happy when I think about it because surviving the, the situation, I think, was a blessing. I had the most clear, concise ability to process exactly what was going on when it happened. There was no pain. I don't know the physiology behind that, but I did not feel anything. It looked awful, but it didn't feel awful. I knew immediately that I had to get a tourniquet on that leg to stop the bleeding and that we had to get to shore for help. The propellers were barely turning, just stabilizing. So it wasn't really, you know, obviously if the propellers are spinning fast, the boat's moving fast. You're right, yeah, yeah. So in this yeah. situation, they were turning, but not fast. Okay. Uh, but fast enough, machinery normally beats flesh in situations like this, yeah. fast enough to actually turn my leg and break the bone by torque. Mm -hmm. uh, hence the destruction of the vascular structure yeah. in my leg. If it was a simple break, I could it could have been repaired mm -hmm. orthopedically. Mm -hmm. But in my situation, the issue was the veins and the arteries that were yeah. that were destroyed, that were severed. So I got back onto the boat. Uh, immediately, we put a tourniquet on the leg and stabilized it. And I had some oxygen to breathe. It was a five-hour trip to get back to shore. And when we got back to shore, Got into an ambulance, went to the Alif uh, General Hospital there. A bit rustic. I would, place. Imagine, I would imagine, yeah. It's a uh, little primitive town. But wow, I, I cannot tell you how happy I was to be in that facility. Did, with, they, did, they, know, did they know how to deal with you or with, with the situation? They were great. Yep, they were great. This is a tiny fishing town um, in, uh, in the middle of nowhere, really. Yep. yep. I imagine they've had similar situations with maybe car accidents okay or even yeah. even boating accidents maybe even boating yeah a lot of people you know venture out there for fishing yeah. etc yeah uh all they did was stabilize basically a life-saving uh surgery so they they stabilize they clean the wound they they put everything back together with something that's called k-wire i think and then put me in an ambulance and sent me to Jeddah to a larger hospital mm -hmm. and at the larger hospitals where they performed the the major surgery which was an assessment of whether or not they could save any portion of the leg and then the amputation. So imagine going to sleep, getting knocked out, knowing that in the next few hours, your the, the, the limb on the end of your body is gonna be at the mercy of your doctors. Yeah. They may be able to keep it, they may not. Yeah. Is timing of the essence here? In this situation, it wasn't because the leg was gone. Okay. And I've spoken to quite a few medical professionals since, and the issue was not the timing, the issue was the damage done to the vascular structure of the leg. Uh, you can't, you can put bones back together, but you can't put veins back together quite okay. as easily. Yeah. So the blood flow was the problem. And I'm certainly not a medical expert on any of this, mm -hmm. but I took a keen interest in it, obviously, yeah, yeah. now that it's part of my life. Uh, anyhow, I, I woke up in the 
hospital in Jeddah after the surgery, not knowing what I was going to see. My eyes were closed and I'm laying in bed. I felt quite comfortable. I think I was on some major, major painkillers. I would imagine, yeah. There were tubes all over the place sticking yeah. in and out of my body. Uh, I looked down and I, I knew I was going to see one of three outcomes. I was either going to see my foot, best case scenario. I was going to see my knee, middle case scenario, or I wasn't going to see either of them. And I looked down, sure enough, I didn't see either of them. I just saw a stump connected to my hip. I had about a one, 12, 14 inches left of leg. And instead of feeling angry or frustrated or upset or sad or confused, any of those things, do you know what I felt? Gratitude. Still be alive? Gratitude for everything that I had. Mm. I looked down at my left leg, I thought, well, that one looks great, still have that one. Mm -hmm. Still have my family, still have my friends, I still have so many things. And, and that set me on a, on a track in the recovery process where I never had any difficult times psychologically with what had happened. The difficult times came physically, not being able to ski the way that I used to ski, not being able to hike the way that I used to hike, uh, skipping my football matches, all of those things. But the, the psychological part of it was really, uh, I think on, from day one, not really an issue. And it's all about something that we mentioned that we that we chatted about earlier uh, before we started the podcast. It's your reaction to these decisions. It's your response. It's your attitude that really, really sets you on a course. And it's not, it's not just my dramatic situation. It's every little situation. Recently came across a quote that said, uh, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And my God, I don't think anybody can react to you know what you've gone through better than how you reacted to it were you always a positive person like did you always did, did did your personality or the way you think you know or your just interpersonal were they always the way they were pre-accident or did it change you know the moment of onwards what would you guess it was always the same when i went to get my car worked on in ramco mm -hmm. uh, my mechanic who was a lovely guy and a great mechanic he walked up to the car to meet me, to greet me. Yeah. And I opened the door and he did not know that I had the accident and my leg is missing. And he had this look on his face of like absolute shock, of course. And I got out of the car and I was smiling and he almost had a tear in his eye. And I said, don't worry, man, I'm fine, I'm fine. I mean, my leg's not fine, but I'm fine. And he said, you know, I'm sure you're fine because you were so positive before this happened that that's not going to change. Yeah, yeah. So I think it. I don't know why. I don't. You know that that. You know maybe it's my faith. Maybe it's my family. Maybe it's my background. Maybe it's the things I've been able to experience and do in my life. Mm -hmm. um, it's. I'm sure it's all of those things. Got actually. You. Yeah. Uh, but I. I feel like not being positive is is such a, a wasteful way to be. So you know true. why why waste time being negative and, and down yeah. if you can have all that time back by being positive in a situation yeah. it takes a special person to go through what you went and come out of it on top there's an old uh, saying or not an old saying it's actually in uh, in the quran uh, there's a saying in the quran that says um god will never give you more than you can handle and um when i when i think of that quote in the quran and i hear your story i'm like yeah that's right on the money <laughs> you know 
um, because you can handle it. You know, maybe someone you know who isn't as pot- as positive or as weaker personality or you know, different outlook on life probably would have given up. There is a lot of factors in there. I think being being I was thirty eight years old when I had the accident. I think if I was twenty one years old, yeah. it would have been really really difficult for me. I feel like the things that I got to experience in my life up to that point were were such a blessing that having to switch gears a bit and be a little bit less mobile and a little bit less agile and active was something I could handle, was something I could learn how to deal with, how to cope with. The other thing is, had I lost both legs, I wonder if I would have been able to handle the situation the same way. And a lot of people have. You know, a lot of trauma, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's in, in conflict, wartime uh, issues or accidents, car accidents. And there's a lot of amputees out there that are in much worse shape than I am and have equal or better attitudes than I do. It really is. It really is a mindset thing. Such an inspiration, man. It really is. I remember when I saw you in the Gulf and I saw you, I saw your back and I was like, oh, poor guy you know lost his, his his entire leg but just the way you carried yourself you know your posture i mean you interacting with people it didn't phase you you know one bit and i was like i'd, I'd like to meet that guy you know <laughs> i want to hear his story because um you know not many people would uh, at least you know not in in this region would venture out would leave their house uh, as frequently as as you do you know if they were uh, carrying the same injury that you are so it's um it's it's fascinating that you know you're able to, to to really beat it and not let it change your life and um maybe even made you a happier person it may have <laughs> before you know it's like it may have as ironic as that sounds it's interesting the it's response the response that you get in saudi yeah because like you said it is not common to see amputees yeah. in saudi and i in fact i think that's something that will change with the country as the country is is being shaken up a bit right now. Correct, correct. I think people's perceptions of imperfect people uh, is changing for the better. People are allowed to be a bit more visible in society. There's a bit more infrastructure getting built and there's a bit more attention being paid Mm -hmm. to people who have all kinds of uh, disabilities or handicaps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Handicaps, is that a word? Yeah, handicaps. Anyway, I think that Saudi is is moving in the right direction when it comes to that. You know, one of the cool things about uh, this podcast or, you know, starting this venture is that you don't know who you're going to touch. I've had people reach out to me um, because they were so inspired by a specific story. And I would imagine that, you know, people who have been through similar experiences to what you have could reach out uh, and asking questions and reaching out to you. And you come with a very inspirational story. And what's great is your attitude about it all. Have you ever... Uh, like given talks or, or or seminars or spoken to someone who's been through it and have them overcome what uh, you know what you overcame. I have given a few talks. I actually really enjoy that. Uh, I yeah. I tell my story all the time, and not often in a public setting, but all the time in small crowds. Yeah. We were in Tanuma, uh, camping actually. There was a group of about twelve to fifteen people, mm-hmm. and one of the guys had heard about my story, but he had not. We hadn't met at that point and he was at the campfire sitting with me and he said would you be okay telling your story i said yeah yeah and then one of the other guys said well i want to hear and then one of the other guys said, well, i want to hear and i thought well we've got a campfire yeah, here let's yeah. tell a story all of a sudden and uh 
that was such a great setting to uh, to sit and share the story. And you know, Saudi campfire, you always have your uh, your karak, you know, and then little cups going around, yeah. and you got the nice fire burning. And yeah, it's a specific tea we have here in Saudi, highly recommend it. Um, it, although it does come with full fat milk, which is the only issue I have with it, <laughs> and probably white sugar, which you know many people are still on. Continue. So the Carrick group out there, you need to get a little more <laughs> yes. progressive. How about some coconut sugar? You know. <laughs> Anyhow, that was such a nice setting yeah. to share the story. So yes, there are situations where this is an uh, amazing platform. I'm sure people will hear this and and be re be impacted. I, at least I, I would hope so. Yeah. And even if they're not impacted by this, I would love for them to reach out. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I enjoy talking with people about this stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not easy going through situations like this. It's a one player game, you know? And those are the hardest games to play. Yeah. Uh, where you're on your own with, yeah. with your thoughts um, at night, you know, thinking of how to overcome something. I mean, it doesn't have to be an injury. It could be a mental thing. Mm -hmm. You know, part of your recovery was both physical and mental. So you can be an inspiration to people who have gone through anything in life and it's and it's fascinating I, I i love i love how you overcame it jake i can't say it enough because yeah. it's uh, it's major it's a major accident i freak out when i get a paper cut <laughs> you know and and it's major and it it hasn't affected the quality of your life and, um, and that's what i take you know from from this from this episode is it's that a nice way to put that actually it, it's changed my life in many many ways and it has even changed the quality of my life but it hasn't negatively affected or impacted the quality of my life. It's just changed it. It's yeah. altered it. It's it's created a different yeah. set of circumstances and yeah. a different set of challenges and also a different set of privileges. And if I had two legs, there's a chance we might not be sitting here doing this podcast. How fun is that? Right? Yeah. Maybe we would, yeah. but not necessarily. Yeah. It reaches out to people in a way that if someone sees me with a smile on my face, lugging this leg around, they might think to themselves, wow, that's interesting all of their problems go away and i never like to compare problems we've all got our own issues to deal with you know not everyone has the same set of problems but our response to the problems uh, i i think we can compare yeah and what we said what we spoke about earlier about uh, an attitude yeah. and 10 percent is what happens and 90 percent is how you react to it's it or respond to yeah, it yeah that's it's a good way to live your life you know yeah uh, so I, I I wanted to go through like some you know personal uh, questions with you, and I also picked out a few generic questions that I want to bounce off you and just see you know how you feel about it and like um, what your take is on them. Okay, all right, fire away. Um, Should I be nervous? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, uh, Jake, where do you get your inspiration from? Where would you say you? What inspires you? I think relationships are very important for me. Uh, relationships with my family and my friends and my colleagues. There's something about having people around you supporting you that is, it's actually quite inspirational the way that people reached out to me in the time of need. And it's a community, multiple communities, my community, my church, my community and my fitness group, my community uh, at work, um, of course, my family. And that, the, seeing the way that people responded and reacted to me was nothing short of inspiring and made a huge huge impact on me i think that's the best i can do on that answer i, I mean i don't know you know my faith mm -hmm. is also a huge as a huge part of it yeah. and i think allows me the chance to 
react and respond mm -hmm. in a positive way. Yeah. What's something you feel that everyone should experience at least once in their life? I love traveling. I think traveling is really important. Yeah. And I think that traveling to a place that makes you uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but I'll go beyond that. Instead of just saying uncomfortable, because it's a bit cliche, I'll say irritated and angry and upset. There are places in the world where you can go and experience some of those emotions. And it could be for a number of reasons. It mm -hmm. could be because of socioeconomics. It could be because of abrasive culture. It could be something completely different than you have experienced in your upbringing. Mm -hmm. But I think that that allows you to interact with the world around you in a, a more full way when you realize that not everyone's coming from the same place you're coming from. Yeah. And we see that here all the time. Mm -hmm. And in a single day in Jeddah, you're going to interact with people from a dozen countries or more. Sure are. And it's the same way for me in, in Shagia, yeah. in Dahran. Is there a place that you've been wanting to travel to that you haven't yet, that you've been putting it off? There's a few. I would love to go to the Karakoram in Pakistan, actually the mountain range, and also Antarctica. That's, a, that's on the list. Yeah. Um, One of my best friends skied the last degree in Antarctica. About wow. that, yeah, they skied the last glo global degree. I'm not sure how many miles or kilometers yeah. it was till the South Pole. Uh, which, Amazing. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's, uh, who's who's climbed a couple of the seven peaks. Mm -hmm. Really adventurous. Mm -hmm. He'll go to Africa for a month and just uh, you know stay in the bush there and you know, no internet, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. And he said the best trip of his life was Antarctica. Wow. He said it was another planet. It, uh, that <laughs> it really, yeah, it really helps. You know, makes you hit that reset button where you feel like you've left the globe i think this year especially because i've been able to travel so much here yeah. i'm kind of craving cold places Maybe. and snow and yeah. ice yeah. and extreme climates because yeah. we have especially in Jeddah, it's it's extremely the same you know it's that's the only monotonous. extreme climate yeah. we have here i really want to go to scandinavia but that's not uncomfortable what's uncomfortable and what i've been putting off is close to what you said earlier uh in pakistan but india is a place that I've been putting off. I want to go see the Taj Mahal. You know, I I, I want to see Mumbai. I, I want to see just how what it's like. You know, have, being in a city with thirty million people. Yeah, um, I'm sure it'll be uncomfortable. I've been putting it off. Um, I've heard crazy stories uh, about that place, but it intrigues me. Yeah, and uh, I think that's something I want to do in the next few years. Have you been? I have. India. Yeah. What, what was it like? It's it's. It's a feast for the senses, okay. India. Yeah, everything that you that you think it's going to be like, it's like that, but multiplied even more. Did you go to the cities? Uh, I did. Yeah, um, Calcutta was my first experience yeah, in yeah, India. Yeah. I saw a movie a couple of years back, Lion, which was phenomenal. I haven't seen it. Oh my god, um, this kid gets lost in India and uh, spends the rest of the movie, you know, trying to find out where his uh, family are. I don't want to ruin it, but it's 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 great. It was the same guy who was in Slumdog Millionaire. Okay, yeah, two two great movies about India that actually made me want to visit the country. I'm like, yeah. you know what? It's it's different, and um, I think you'll you know you'll appreciate a few things. Having it, it's such a developed culture. There's it's there's so many uniquely Indian yeah. things, yeah. religion and food and dress mm -hmm. and literature and poetry and all these yeah. things that are that are so they're so proud yeah. of their culture yeah. like many cultures strong culture yeah. um 
and a billion a billion indians i mean this is a potential world superpower in uh you know in, in a decade or so they could really be people don't realize how geographically diverse india is as well yeah. from from the third highest peak in the world mm -hmm. to deserts oh, yeah. to yeah. you know backwater beautiful uh tropics yeah I think we're really craving traveling. I haven't yeah, been locked down for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there a mistake that you've done that you you know you you'd, you'd never want to do again? Like you know, I, I know that we we learn from mistakes and all, and we well, I do. I, I make mistakes over and over again. But is there something out there that you know you maybe learn from and, and and you promise yourself that you'll never do again? If I can turn the question a little bit to a different angle, I think that one thing I've always felt a bit limited by is that you can only be in one place at one time. Was it a mistake to move to Saudi Arabia? No, absolutely not. I've, I've loved my time here. But would I have also loved to spend 17 years somewhere else? Yeah, sure. Was it a mistake, you know, to remain single and not get married for 40 years of my life? No, absolutely not. Would I have liked to experience life on the other side of that story? Mm -hmm. Getting married young and raising a family and having... So I wouldn't say there's a, a mistake that I would like to to turn. So was it a mistake jumping off the back of that boat on June 26, 2018? I wouldn't call it a mistake, but would I like to take it back? Maybe stay on the boat, yell up to the captain to cut the props and then jump in? Definitely. So even even with with something that would be considered a mistake, I think that what's done is done and you still have an opportunity to move in a in a good direction from there. Yeah. So I kind of cheated on that answer. <laughs> <laughs> now you put your own spin on it. It was pretty cool. Dude, yeah, I mean, thanks a lot uh, for uh, for all the information you've shared, um, the stories and inspiration, honestly. And I think people are really going to enjoy this episode um, because it shows you that no matter how, you know, tough life is or, you know, what it can throw at you, um, there are people that probably went through something harder than, than, than you're going through right now. And look at the smile on their face. So it's uh, it's an inspiration to uh, to anyone who's out there looking for some. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing your story. I want to thank you for asking me to come on here, and and, I, and also pleasure. for what you're doing with this podcast. It is such an exciting time to be in Saudi right now. Such an exciting time. The things that are happening in this country and the people that are involved in those changes mm -hmm. at every level, from the very very top, all the way to all the way to the ground level. I've never had a had more passion or or had a more positive feeling about being in the country than I have recently. And it holds a lot of weight, what you're saying, because you're not someone that's been here for a month or so. You've been here for 17 years. So it's, uh, you come with a lot of credibility. Um, you've seen it all and uh, you're still here. I'm still here. And you speak very highly of it. And I, and I really appreciate it. As a Saudi citizen, I really appreciate it. Because you know what? I, the, the, the media really bashes and just puts you know their own spin on it and you know for whatever reason and and it passes on information that is often incorrect you know more times than than not but just to hear you know the other side of the coin uh from someone who's who's here yeah is um is refreshing um, nobody and no place is perfect of course right but the experiences that i've had here and the way that people treat me and the way that i've seen the country change and, and develop recently yeah. is is inspirational yeah i'm excited about what the next five years have in store you know i uh there's not many articles about you know future projects that are announced that i don't read every single word and i'm just you know like wow this is actually going to happen and 
and um, and we live in a time where you know what is said or what is planned to happen actually happens yeah so you know there's a lot of excitement in the air uh, with my generation who you know have have seen uh, what time was like uh, when things were a little different and now where we're really shooting for the stars and there's a general belief that um, you know the people in charge really want to make it the best country in the world yeah what the hell is stopping us yeah you know so but again, you know, let's take a minute to, to, to thank you for, for coming on the show and sharing your story and, and, and you know, not sparing any details. It uh, really takes someone, you know, with, you know, courage and, and a strong personality like yourself to do so. Jake, is there anything uh, you want to put out there before we sign out? Any words of wisdom, anything you want to, you know, share with, uh, with the audience? Regardless of your situation, regardless of your predicament or your what you perceive as a, 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 a shortfall or, or problem, uh, you, you almost always have the opportunity to take a positive angle on it. Yeah. And, and I understand that some of these things that people deal with are awful and really, really difficult and much more difficult than, than losing a leg, yeah. okay? But the way that you respond to those situations can have such an impact on your life following. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've noticed that in my own case, I've noticed that in other people's situations. Just try and give yourself a second to 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 move forward from it rather than staying back behind it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't know if I articulated that the right way, no, you, but you got it just right. That's, yeah, yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm, I would love to, you know, if anyone has a particular situation that they want to reach out to me, and, and just chat about it. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Enjoy, I'll make sure doing that. Put your contact details, yeah. mobile number, and all. Outlook and attitude. Um, you know, just to in- encompass what you said, I think is um, is everything. It's the battle. You know, it's uh, it's 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 an amazing story you bring. Thanks a lot for your time. Most um, welcome. And thanks your, for thanks and for having me. Your story, and um, yeah, I'll catch you at the golf uh, tomorrow and the day after. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, brother. <laughs> See you soon.